we were all born with this specific nature and composition, again, mentally, physically, emotionally, and that is to fulfill your unique purpose in life. And I just think that's so beautiful. Whereas Western medicine says, you know, kind of like, we all have a heart, we all have lungs, right? And we kind of treat any sort of issues that come up in those areas the same way. Ayurveda says, well, actually you, you know, kind of the approach we need to take for you as an individual is completely 100% unique to you. Over the course of my life and career, I've discovered the power of consciously investing in mindset and personal development. It has been a true game changer for me in my personal and professional life. And I'm extremely excited that you decided to join us today to take one step forward in your own life. Most of my breakthroughs have come from one-on-one -on -one conversations. We created this show to bring you those unfiltered conversations each and every week. Good morning, good morning, and happy Friday to everybody. Greg Tomchik here, host of the Connected Mindset Live. We have a really exciting episode this morning with Ms. Chital Ajmani. Um, one of the things that we talked about before the show is a topic that really we've been beating around the bush a little bit on this show about, and we're going to dive right in <clears throat> here shortly, excuse me. Um, but before we dive in, Chital, tell everybody a little bit about the mission you're on and the impact you're hoping to make on the world around you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. First of all, thank you for inviting me to be on your show, Greg. I'm so excited to be here and for our conversation today. So I am the founder of Radiant Living Institute, and my mission is to guide people to get unstuck and learn to live radiantly again, uh, specifically people who are navigating major transitions in their life, things like career burnout, career transition, divorce, emptiness. So both those professional and personal challenges that come into our life that can help make us feel kind of stuck and where we need to find a place to rebuild. And a little bit more about my background um, and, and kind of why I, I set out on this mission. So I am a physician by training and I'm also a certified yoga instructor and Ayurveda consultant. So I've spent the past two decades really studying Eastern and Western modalities of healing and well-being. And through that journey of professional study of all of these traditions and the science behind this, I, you know, life gave me lots of opportunities along the way over the past two decades to really put these tools into practice myself <laughs> through my own, you know, personal and professional challenges along the way. And so I've taken not only kind of my professional study and experience, as well as my personal experiences of really putting these tools and practices to use in my own day-to-day -day life, day-to-day -day grind. Um, and so I know firsthand just how powerful these pieces are. And I wanted to bring that to others so that others know that they don't have to go through anything alone um, and that they don't need to stay stuck in any situation that doesn't feel right for them, whether that is business, career, a relationship, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, there's so many transferable aspects between 
how we live our lives and how we go out and serve others. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so many things that people get into a trap. Um, I know I've gotten into many traps where I'm, you know, in the hole and I feel like I can't get out. And it's hard to talk about it. It's hard to bring it to somebody and say, I'm in a trap and I don't know how to get out because it's a hit to the ego. Yeah. Um, And I think that's where I've found the benefits of Eastern medicine when I was in baseball. And, you know, I had some other older mentors who kind of exposed me to those areas of different yoga practices, different modalities. Um, And it made a huge difference in my ability to get through certain things. I'd be interested in your thoughts on the difference between kind of Eastern and Western medicine with your you know, different practice uh, areas and experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Great question. So also, I, w- I before I dive into answering that question specifically, I want to just reflect on something that you said, too, of just like how it can feel really hard to admit that we're in that place and ask for help. And most of the clients that I work with are, um, you know, typically quite, you know, we're used to achieving things and, and kind of showing up kind of top in our field. And so just sort of that personality type, myself included, can just make it really hard to reach out and admit that we need help. And so I think, you know, a big piece that I bring to working with clients and just my approach is really helping people cultivate that self-compassion and acknowledging that we're all human and we're all going through these things. And this is why I love shows like like yours and what we're doing here, as well as my podcast, Essential Self-Care, where it's like we're talking about these things, you know, and I think that's so needed. Um, So some of the differences in the approach between the Eastern and Western, you know, the Western approach of of allopathic medicine is very systems based. Um, So, you know, it's everyone has a heart, everyone has a, has lungs, you know, everyone has, you know, it's, so it's very systems based. You go see the cardiologist for heart issues, blood pressure issues. You go see the nephrologist, the kidney specialist for kidney issues, right? It's very systems based. And, um, the Eastern model of, of I'm trained in Ayurveda is really kind of looks at your whole body, mind, emotion, spirit, as a system, right? And so it, it doesn't look at it necessarily as, um, so it looks at it as you really needing to bring that entire system, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, into alignment and into balance. The other really differentiating factor between these two approaches is that Ayurveda really sees each individual as completely unique. So this is something I, I absolutely love, and, and I feel like it really helps uh, in cultivating that self-compassion as well, is Ayurveda says that we were each born with a specific set of qualities, specific nature, specific set of strengths, specific set of quote-unquote weaknesses, but we were all born with this specific nature and composition, again, mentally, physically, emotionally, and that is to fulfill your unique purpose in life. And I just think that's so beautiful. Whereas Western medicine says, you know, kind of like, we all have a heart, we all have lungs, right? And we kind of treat any sort of issues that come up in those areas the same way. Ayurveda says, well, actually you, you know, kind of the approach we need to take for you as an individual is completely a hundred percent unique to you because we all were born with a different set of qualities and a unique nature. And I think that's really beautiful and that really goes into my approach and working with people with their self-care because so often, you know, we can hear kind of these grand statements on on 
pop media and, and social media of, you know, practicing self-care for everyone is going to that two-hour yoga class or getting that massage. But really what Ayurveda says is that, you know, what you need for self-care, Greg, is going to be different than what I need, is going to be different than some of, you know, the folks listening right now. It's it's completely unique to each one of us. And I think that's so beautiful in that it helps us to, once we begin to understand that and embrace that concept, it can help you to start to embrace your uniqueness, your individuality, and honor the fact that your needs may be different than someone else's and that that is okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's so easy to conform to the way that other people are living that you look up to. Mm -hmm. And it takes away that whole uniqueness aspect, which I think doesn't serve those around you. It doesn't serve yourself. Um, where my mind goes, and I'm sure a lot of people are asking themselves that are listening in is, where do I start in that more holistic journey? Because we're so conditioned to those point solutions, right? My stomach hurts, my head hurts, my wrist hurts. You know, I just need to go see somebody that specializes in that specific area of my body. And maybe it's your head hurts because, you know, you're missing a vitamin or you're not eating something that you should be eating. Mm -hmm. um, so where, where do you recommend people kind of start in this process to get those right, you know, whether it's a mindset or that right modality um, and put it into place? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, so. A couple of things, and I'll share a resource as well. So one great place to start is I do have a, a workbook that people can download. It's on my website, radiantlivinginstitute.com, and it's six steps to create your radiant life. And basically, those are six steps. That is my radiant living method that I have combined the most powerful pieces that I have found from um, the Western traditions and Eastern traditions. And pack them together into these six steps. So that's a great place to start. It's a free download. So anyone can access that. And it's a workbook. Give yourself like 20 minutes to just go through and actually just work through the workbook. And I guarantee like that is a wonderful place to start. Also, the other thing I would say is two more things here. I guess I, I often say things in threes. So <laughs> the workbook as a resource. The other thing I would say is just cultivating that self-awareness it has to start there, cultivating that self-awareness, that self-awareness of, and this kind of ties into the third point I was going to say, which is cultivating your mind-body connection, which is a big piece for me. So that's where kind of my background as a certified yoga instructor and meditation instructor come into place of, and I'm not saying that everyone has to do yoga by any means, but cultivating, that can be a tool for cultivating the mind-body connection because what can happen so often, you know, I truly believe that and this is where the work that I get to do with Radiant Living Institute is very different than the work that I was doing in, in Western medical practice. In Western medical practice, we were solely focused on the physical on the physical level, right? With the work that I'm able to do here in Radiant Living Institute and where it's so powerful is that we're able to touch on the mental and emotional layers as well, which we know that the mental, emotional layers do affect your physical body and what's showing up for you in your body as well. 
right? And so what's really incredible is that some clients who I've worked with and who have gone through my program and my approach um, have come to me because they're navigating various life transitions, looking to rebuild their life. At the same time, many of them have had physical symptoms. And just as a a side effect, really, of going through this approach of us working on those mental, emotional layers of the inner dialogue, self-compassion, all of that, many of them saw a resolution in some of these physical symptoms that they had been experiencing for years. They had seen other specialists as well. Now, like I said, that's not the primary focus and goal of my program and approach, but it is a very positive side effect that many of my clients have experienced through going through it. And it's because we're able to touch on those deeper layers that unfortunately, just the way the medical system is set up right now, um, the healthcare system, at least here in the U.S., we're just not able to do in kind of your traditional um, doctor's office. So to go back and rewind to answer your question and to kind of make it more a little bit more succinct of, of, of the main points, one, definitely check out the resource because that goes over those six steps, that workbook. Second, starting with cultivating that self-awareness of yourself, of what's going on in my mind, what's going on in my thoughts, what's going on in my body, and just really asking yourself those questions, taking a moment each day to maybe just pause in the middle of your day or in the morning when you wake up. What's going on in my mind right now? What's going on in my emotions? How am I feeling? What's going on in my body? What am I feeling there? And letting go of any judgment of what comes up, just noticing it and being aware of it. Because in order to make any change or transformation in our life, it needs to start with that self-awareness. And then the third is cultivating that mind-body connection. Because so often we spend so much of our day in our mind mm -hmm. that we are actually very disconnected with our body and we're not even realizing what's going on in our body. And one of the things that I say is that our body is always sending us signals, always. And I mean, just a clear example of that, when you feel stressed, what happens, right? Maybe your shoulders tense up, right? Maybe you um, get uh, like, like a nervous stomach, right? Or an upset stomach, right? Your body is always sending you signals. Uh, but so often we're in our mind or staying distracted by well, yes, I feel a headache coming on, but I have work to do, so I'm going to ignore it, right? As opposed to saying, why is that headache coming on? What's going on right now that's bringing this on? What do I need to address? Yeah, there's a, there is a lot of powerful stuff there. And I connected to a lot of that because I have never had my primary care physician ask, how are you feeling mentally? It's always... You know, how's your body feeling? Let me, you know, knock on your knee. And then, you know, does your stomach hurt or have you had headaches recently? Um, so it's just interesting how awareness has developed in our world. I think technology has helped with, you know, you see more things out there. People are able to share on a wider playing field. Um, I know when I started to, in baseball, they allowed us, you know, we had a kind of a, a physical therapist. And then we had somebody who we could talk to about kind of mental strategy. Mm -hmm. um, and, but those people never intersected. It was always two separate point solutions that were taking place in the environment. And once I got out of baseball and realized that if I don't bring those two together, I'm like two separate people. Like I'm this person that wants to be physically fit. And then I'm this person that hopefully can stay mentally fit enough to be physically fit. Um, so I was trying to balance those and I eventually found a, a therapist that kind of took that blended approach because he was an athlete. Um, he knew kind of 
what I was trying to achieve. And that completely changed my life. Like it completely changed how I process things, how I recognize my infinity loop of like, I'm going to, I'm getting a headache because, you know, somebody around me is smoking a cigarette and it's like, mm-hmm. and then it's that infinity loop that makes me get a headache. Like I get mm-hmm. a headache because I'm thinking I'm going to get a headache. So, <laughs> so it's just, it's just interesting. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we tend to think of everything and I, and I love that it is changing now, right? But but we tend to kind of think of everything as as like completely separate pieces. But when you start to realize that it's all related, right? And and that's something with again, kind of going back to the the Ayurvedic piece. I mean, when you meet with someone, an Ayurvedic consultant such as myself, and who brings in that approach, I mean, we ask about your relationships, about your emotions, about your inner dialogue, like all of that, because how fulfilled you feel in your career because all of that plays a role into your overall well-being and really ayurveda says that health is not just an absence of disease it is truly a state of living in vitality in radiance part of why my company is called radiant living institute one part of why it's called radiant living institute but it's really you know feeling energetic living in a state of vitality and 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 radiance. So it's more than just not having physical symptoms, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's such a superpower, what you've been able to bring together and kind of, I look at it as a, you know, you weave different experiences that you've had and and you put it into this canvas and offer it to the world. And that's what I feel like you've done. What, what got you to that position? Um, Obviously you were, you were a practicing physician, you were seeing different gaps in the, in the landscape. And then you decided to take that, you know, into the private world and say, people need this because they really do on a, on a massive scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to have, you know, the, you have to have the research ability. You have to have the, the, the skill set, the, the education. There's just so many pieces you have to kind of knit together to, to mm-hmm. get there. Um, so what brought you to say, I'm going to go, you know, do this as a company um, and kind of get out of the the practicing physician role? Yeah, great question. It's been a journey, so I'll try to keep it not too lengthy. It's definitely been a journey, as you said, because there are all these different pieces that had to line up. But I would say actually going back to my very first year of medical school, which was as of the time of us chatting right now is 21 years ago. My first year of medical school, I actually started practicing yoga. I just started taking yoga classes at the local gym. And through that, I discovered a sense of peace and calm within myself that I had never experienced before. And I experienced this feeling of, um, and and maybe someone who's listening who maybe has done like, um, for me, it was during Shavasana, like that final resting pose in yoga classes, where I experienced this sense that there's me who's kind of running around doing all the things in school, studying. And then there's this sort of, we talk about in yoga, like a witnessing self. Like there's this other sort of self that's witnessing everything else that I'm doing, which was fascinating to me. And it was the first time I'd ever experienced that. And so Around that same time, I'd also heard about Ayurveda. So the way I heard about Ayurveda is that 
I'm very close to my mom. So I would talk to her every day and I would tell her what I was learning in med school. And I told her I was, we were learning how to take vital signs and we were learning how to check the pulse. And she was like, well, what are you learning about how to check the pulse? And I said, just how to count it. And she said that there's actually doctors in India who can tell what's going on in specific organs in your body just through checking your pulse. And those were Ayurvedic physicians. And so I was just fascinated. The seeds were planted there with yoga and Ayurveda. So from my very first year of medical school, I knew that I wanted to also study and dive deeper into yoga and Ayurveda. And I'd actually written, it's funny, Greg, I had written on like a little, I wish I still had it, but I had written on like a little scrap of paper, my first semester of medical school, East meets West medicine. Um, so it's been like the seed has been there for a long time. So I finished medical school, finished residency. I continued to lean into these tools just myself and my own journey, continued practicing yoga, um, diving into my spirituality and, and those sort of things to help me get through the various stressors in my career. And then I went ahead and completed a yoga certification training and Ayurveda lifestyle consultant program. And then I sort of fast forward a few years, I started, um, Teach, actually teaching yoga and offering Ayurveda cons consultations just outside of my medical practice. So I was still practicing medicine, but I was also teaching at studios, offering Ayurveda workshops. And through that process, I learned a lot. So this is a little bit of just my entrepreneurial journey here for you too. Through that process, I learned a lot and I was continuing to go through, I'd experienced a lot of personal challenges, divorce, things like that, that I was navigating myself. And again, just having to dive deeper into these tools um, on my own journey. And I came to realize, and I'd done a lot of personal development. I had then subsequently gone to like all of Tony Robbins programs. So just a lot, you know, listening to a lot of sort of more modern day thought leaders as well, Brene Brown, um, Eckhart Tolle, like just a lot of diving deep myself. And what I came to realize a couple of years ago is that what I really, that these are all just different tools that I've garnered and, and gathered within my toolbox. Um, and really what I want to do is help people get unstuck, help people who are going through major life transitions. I myself had gone through so many and that I have this really vast array of tools that I can offer to people. And what I did is I, I in terms of my sort of signature approach, Approach. My signature program is called Reclaim Your Radiance, and that is that six step, six steps in further depth. And really, what I did is I looked back on my own life, all the various major transitions within my own life, as well as the journey that I had at that point already guided clients through. And I noticed that there was this actual, like, very specific system and method. Uh, that I went through and that I now also guide people through in that method. And then what I also noticed is that all of those steps in, those, in that method are talked about in these Eastern traditions and are also backed by science. And so I was like, this is really powerful, you know? Um, and so very briefly, I can give you a quick overview of, of what that method is. So I call it my car method. So to go from where we are now to where you want to go, I propose that we need a vehicle of some sort. Like if we're walking, it's your body, <laughs> or it could be a car, a train, or a plane. So I propose it's a car where C stands for clarity, A stands for acceptance, and R stands for rebuilding. So we start with that inner work. So I always say that a radiant life starts from within. 
So we start with that inner work, with that clarity piece. And within each of those three phases, there's two steps. So with clarity, what I do is I guide people through a process of, of what I call taking inventory. So it's kind of like guided questions that I guide you through of sort of like, what does your life look like right now? What do you want your life to look like? What sort of emotions are you feeling on a regular basis now? What do you want that to be? That sort of thing. Just taking like a, a big picture overview of your life and, and your vision for the future. And because some a process like taking inventory is something that you kind of do in a point in time, like maybe, you know, when you start working with someone such as myself or every new year or your birthday or whatever it may be, the next step is because that's just a point in time, it's also important that we tap into that clarity and that connection, connecting with yourself on a regular basis as well. The second step is creating empowering daily routines. So I guide people through a process to create empowering daily routines. And like I said earlier, kind of bringing it back full circle, that daily routine, it doesn't necessarily have to be meditation for everyone if that doesn't resonate with you. It could be mindful movement. It could be going for a walk. It could be a number of things. So I really guide people to what's going to work for them in your specific lifestyle, your specific daily routine. But basically, the point is that you're taking that time, even if it's just a minute or two on a regular basis, to connect with yourself and find that clarity within. And then we move into that acceptance phase, which is all about, in my system, is all about cultivating the mind-body connection. Because in order to make any change in your life, you do need to be grounded in the present moment and the past or the future. <laughs> so really cultivating that mind-body connection through mindful movement, mindful eating, um, which is where kind of the transformation really begins and we're able to really make that transformation. Then we move into the rebuilding phase, the R phase. And for that, the two steps there is um, career and relationships, which is really about setting boundaries. And I walk people through a framework of, again, it goes back to that self-awareness first of like, what boundaries do I need to set? Do I need to set them with myself? Do I need to set them professionally, personally, you know? And so I walk them through a framework of how to set boundaries, what are the consequences of setting them, of not setting them, that sort of thing. And then, which I think is the key to like finding some sense of work-life balance <laughs> and alignment. And then the final step is celebration, which is taking those moments to celebrate your small, small wins daily. Because so often at the end of the day, Think about all that we haven't achieved or our win date, uh, noticing our and they don't have to be huge wins. Um, I often tell people sometimes the wins that I write at the end of the day is like, I went to the post office, right? Like that is totally okay. But taking moments to just notice the good in your life, which I think is really the key to finding that fulfillment daily and on a regular basis. Wow. Yeah, it's I think one of the one of the things that is amazing about that approach and it's it's so holistic, um, which is huge. And a lot of people get that in separate, you know, areas or separate experts. Um, one of the things you hit on is nutrition. And I think a lot of people think about nutrition as just food. 
but it's also <laughs> mental nutrition. How are you feeding your mind? How are you, you know, talking to yourself? What type of emotions are going on? And yeah. a lot of people separate those. They're like, I should just have a good mindset. I should just feed myself well. And my mindset's going to all of a sudden be, you know, better. Um, I think that's huge, you know, setting standards and boundaries. Um, mm -hmm. If you don't have those, the world dictates them for you. I've realized that yeah. the hard way, um, you know, by just kind of going off the standards of the people around me, mm -hmm. you know, oftentimes you just get pulled around in different directions. Um, I think that's extremely fascinating. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, those daily routines, I think one of the things I've found is when I am in a down energy or in a transitional period throughout the day or throughout you know many weeks um is just kind of walking outside with my shoes off like it's mm -hmm. like it's that's my way to reconnect to and you know some people think it's woo woo like you know it's too you know yogaic or you know it's one of those like practices like meditation where it can be misconceived mm -hmm. that it's like you know that doesn't work but if it works for you, then it's a practice that you should support. So I think that's extremely fascinating. Um, how do you typically walk people through it? Is it like in a day? Is it a couple of weeks? What's the timeline look like? Yeah, six six weeks typically. So there's I have each of these steps in a separate like a separate model module. So six modules, and I walk people through it. Um, a combination. So there's pre-recorded videos and worksheets that I guide you through, and then we meet, um, and people can go through it um, sort of on their own, going through the pre-recorded model, working with me one-on-one, -on -one. and a handful of times a year, I, I launch a group cohort as well. So that's an option too. So if you're working with me one-on-one -on -one or through that group cohort, we would meet weekly and go over the materials and, and each of these steps to really customize, make sure we're continuing to customize and tailor it specifically for you and address any challenges that may come up. I love that. Yeah, and I think companies could leverage this as well. I think that's definitely a model I'm sure you're considering. Um, but a lot of the things that you're doing, especially with the clarity exercise, I, I, I'm, I assume I would, I would guess that many people may not be as comfortable you know sharing that with a boss or with a you know a person because oftentimes we don't use work as a vehicle that supports that you know what we re really want out of life right it's like that temporary and then if your boss sees that then it's like well they're not right for the business because you know they want to own their own business in the future or whatever it could be there's a lot of misconceptions yeah. in the corporate you know enterprise world um, yeah. How do you kind of navigate that or how do you recommend, you know, a CEO or a president of a company saying, I really want all my people to have this superpower, this awareness, this consciousness, yeah. this healthy practice, um, but do it in a way that empowers them? Yeah, that's a great question, too. And I think you brought up a great point with that. I think if it is coming directly from, you know, specifically the boss, the manager, the CEO, you know, trying to kind of convey this to their their employees and their team, I think there is that barrier, that obstacle. So I do think it is bringing in someone else, you know, working with an outside vendor um, consultant such as myself to come in and to facilitate that as well. And I do think it could be helpful to facilitate it both on the um, C-suite level, right, managerial level and, and, and 
employee staff level, right? Because I think sort of each, again, to help facilitate a safe space, group space where people do feel open to share. Because as we were chatting earlier, it is through us sharing and talking and having these conversations that often we learn the most, we feel less isolated, which is a big, big thing um, that does affect so many other parts of your, your health and well-being as well. And so kind of ensuring those safe spaces. But I do think bringing in, and, and again, this is something that I am doing more of now as well, is um, you know bringing in consultants such as myself to provide this program for your employees, for your staff. Um, and again, maybe even looking at it as kind of... Um, on the, on the C-suite level, managerials, and, and then employees and staff level as well. And, you know, I've, you know, some, you know, this awareness is there now, which I think is great. I've, I've, I've been speaking to a few companies, uh, I've spoken to a few companies just in the past few weeks too. And, and this idea has come up, came up was just that, you know, years ago, even not too many years ago, even, even just pre-pandemic, which was not too many years ago, it was also kind of that same idea of that separation, right? Like there's work life, there's home life, right? Personal life. And what we're, and we didn't talk as much about mental health, mental wellness in the work spaces, right? It was almost um, considered taboo or just don't go there, right? But now, and, and I think it's really great that now that is shifting and we are starting to see that awareness that, again, it is all connected. <laughs> it's all connected, right? Um, as much as we may try to kind of separate, you know, what's going on with your physical health from your work or what's going on in your relationships with your work, the fact is it's all affecting how you're showing up. So it is all related, you know, and we do need to address all of that. And so I am really excited to see more companies taking interest in this, um, in their employee, employee wellness, employee engagement initiatives through um, initiatives such as this. Yeah, it's definitely something I think every company needs from the start. Um, you know, when they start to think about, you know, their mission and vision, you know, this should be mm -hmm. a, a piece of that puzzle. And um I know there's a lot of companies in our area that are going to take you up on that. I think it'd be fascinating, and you might have a resource on this already, but do you have t some type of masterclass or something that you put on to walk people through that three-step process that kind of get, gets the mindset started on, here's some things I want to document, and then kind of the next step would be to dive in with you one-on-one? -on -one? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I do hold a masterclass like that, again, occasionally throughout the year. So I don't have a next one scheduled right now. Definitely download that workbook to get started. And that will also put you on my um, newsletter and email list where I send out um, we my weekly podcast. And I also send out updates uh, for anytime I'm doing any classes or events. Excellent. Yeah, I, I pasted that um, workbook in the chat here so everybody has access to that. And then, yeah, I'm looking forward to checking out the newsletter because I think we need continuous reminders. Like a lot of times we get, you know how it goes where we're like really inspired to do something. Like I'm sure there's going to be a lot mm -hmm. of people after this episode that are extremely ex inspired to go out and do the workbook. And then mm -hmm. we go through the ups and downs and it's like we need that kind of frequent reminder of, you know, you need yeah. to reconnect Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and 
you know, one thing that I, I would say I am most proud of, to, to be honest, most proud of with my program is, is sort of the first group who went through my this six-step approach and program was um, two years ago. And so I followed up with everyone who has gone through that. You know, I, I keep in touch with them and to just check in with how they're doing every so often. And one of the things that I'm most proud of is that they have reported that they, well, first of all, their lives look completely different now than it did two years ago in a lot of positive ways. And they say, they report that they still continue to lean into these tools that they learn, that they're it's still part of their daily life. And so that longevity of it is so, is I think so powerful just for that exact same reason that you mentioned, Greg. Like I've definitely gone through programs as well, where you go through the program, you're super excited, super inspired when you come out on the other side of it. And then maybe it lasts like a week or two. But with this approach that I take when I'm guiding clients through this process, there's longevity to it. And, and that has stood the test of time, right? Like two years later, um, clients who have gone through that program are still using these tools, still leaning into these tools, still remembering some of the things that um, they learned through going through this process. So I think that is really powerful. And then I also wanted to just respond to one of the comments that I saw come up in the chat um, that said, I'm so fascinated about Ayurveda and want to learn more. Is there any book that you would recommend to learn specifically more about the doshas. So I do want to share a resource that I have created. Actually, it is on my website, radiantlivinginstitute.com. I have a, uh, it's called Radiant Self-Care Through Ayurveda. It is a four video series. It is great to learn the foundations of Ayurveda. I do go over in, into the doshas. That is a word that I have not mentioned yet in this episode. So dosha, you know, is, is basically, um, it's much more than this, but for simplicity's sake, for, for right now, I'll just share. It's kind of, you know, I said that we're all born with a sort of a unique set of qualities and, and strengths and quote unquote weaknesses. You can look at that as your dosha. It's, your, it's, it's one way it's defined is your body-mind constitution. Um, that you were born with and then through various life factors that can um, change not what you're born with, but through various life factors, sort of your state of alignment and balance now can veer off from what's your innate optimal state of balance. And that's what through Ayurvedic practices, lifestyle habits, daily routines, those sort of things, we work to getting back in alignment. So. I could go much deeper into that, but I'll leave it there for right now. Um, but definitely you can uh, find that four video series called Radiant Self-Care Through Ayurveda on my website. Excellent. Yeah, I just pasted the the, the root domain to your website. Um, is there a specific place that they can go to find that? Yeah. So if you go to the tab at the top that says learn, uh, yeah. you'll see um, I have a number of on-demand classes that you can kind of self-paced classes and it's I think it's actually the first one on there. Excellent. Yep. Yeah, that's extremely powerful. I think a lot of people don't hear about Ayurveda a lot. Um, is there a way that you think about Ayurveda versus other frameworks or, or modality systems within kind of the Eastern medicine do, um, domain? I think a lot of them have, you know, now Ayurveda is the one that I've I've studied most in depth, right? But certainly there's traditional Chinese medicine, right? Other other forms of Eastern traditions of medicine. And I think that they are 
generally, obviously there are some, some differences and nuances, obviously, but I think generally they have a similar approach of looking at, um, the, our system as a whole of the body, you know, body, mind, emotions, spirit, that all of that is related and working with our, um, daily habits and routines to restore a sense of overall alignment so that our body can do what it is naturally meant to do, right? And kind of tap into your innate innate powers there, your body's innate powers there. I really see frame uh, Ayurveda and the way I use it in my pro, you know, in my programs and in my approach is that it gives you really almost a language, a vocabulary for that self-awareness and a framework for that self-awareness to really tap into and tune into what your body needs in each moment, what your mind needs in each moment, how you're feeling, and, and gives you a framework and specific sets of tools and routines that you can begin to integrate when you need it in that moment. So one thing that I often share, and, and I'd love to share here, about that is so often we're looking for balance in life, right? That's a word I hear so much, whether it's work-life balance or just balance in some way, shape, or form. And when I think, and balance is actually a word we do use a lot in Ayurveda, but I've been steering away from it. And this is why. <laughs> when I think of the word balance, I think of like those sort of old school scales, right? Where you have something on like both sides and you're trying to constantly find that balance. But like, even if a piece of dust or a feather comes on one side, it's gonna shift that scale. So when we think about balance, and we, I think that the words that we use is, are very powerful. So when we think about balance and, and like, hey, I'm, I, I need to feel more balanced in my life, it's like we're constantly seeking this unattainable goal. Because the fact is, life is always changing. Always, right? From, the seasons changing, like on a, just a very physical, <laughs> literal level, right? We're going into the fall season right now, like from, although it feels like summer today here in Norfolk where we are, um, <laughs> but, you know, from seasons changing to just life changing, right? Career transitions, relationships, all of those things. So if we're constantly seeking balance in a world that's always shifting, right? We're, we're seeking out this almost unattainable goal and that can leave us feeling frustrated, disappointed, discouraged, all those things. So what I prefer to use is the word alignment. And I feel like Ayurveda really helps us. It gives us a framework to stay in alignment because alignment to me means that life is going to change. But can we flow through these ups and downs, flow through these changes with as much ease and grace as possible, right? Can we align, right? Can we stay in alignment through all of that. And so I feel like Ayurveda really gives us a great vocabulary, language, and framework to help us do that, to help us navigate all of the seasons of our life, whether that's physical seasons or seasons like challenges specifically within our own life. Absolutely. Yeah, this is so intuitive. And it's one of those things that so many people need um, because when you're trying to find that balance, I come across so many people that are just bracing for impact of the next change. And that's like, mm -hmm. that's so debilitating for people that yeah. want to create positive change. So it's kind of like the environment mm -hmm. is just like spinning them around and they're trying to push through it, but they're, mm -hmm. 
they're so stuck, like, you know, talking about getting unstuck, they're so stuck in, I don't have balance currently, and I'm trying to find it. But as opposed to thinking about how they can better align with where they want to get to. And then the environment is just something that's surrounding them that they feed off of and hopefully get the positives from not just the negatives. Yeah, absolutely. That brings to mind two things. Um, one thing is, is, okay, it brought to mind two things and then I lost one. Okay. <laughs> so it brought to mind two things. One is that, um, when is that small, I always say that small changes make a large impact. Mm -hmm. So when we're feeling really stuck, right, it, it could be that we've been experiencing a situation that, that has been sort of long-term stress, or it could feel chaotic, whatever it may be, when we're feeling stuck, um, we can often think that we we can often stay stuck and stay almost like paralyzed in terms of making the next decision or taking the next step because we think that we need to actually know like five steps down the road or the five-year plan, right? But when you're in that situation, realizing that, and this is one of my core beliefs in my approach when I'm working with clients, is that small changes make a large impact. And so maybe just thinking about what is the next baby step I can take to move forward and just focus on that, which can be hard because our mind, I mean, I do this too all the time. It's its a journey. It's a process of, you know, wanting to know the five steps ahead. But when you're stuck, when you're in that phase, trying to, again, tap into that self-compassion of maybe it's okay if I just know what the very next baby step is. And if you don't know what it is, that's okay too. Maybe it's just I'm waking up and showing up for the day, right? And then the other thing is, is with that, the, the reflection that came up with what you shared was just that when you were sharing kind of, kind of you sort of being in this situation, when someone is in this situation and then there's everything going on externally around you too. And that's why it's so important to find those moments to connect with yourself on a regular basis. And it's so easy to not do that. Um, our society, our culture, especially these days, especially with technology, it's it's so easy to find a distraction. It's so easy to just scroll, you know, pick up your phone. It's, it's Most of us are carrying our phone around all day. And so um, it's so easy to, to find that distraction. But, but taking just a minute, a moment or two here and there to just pause and connect with yourself so that you can find that stillness so that you can then respond intentionally to what's going on around you as opposed to reacting to it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, that is a piece of the puzzle that I think a lot of people are still trying to figure out. And it's mm -hmm. a continual process, like you said, and it's not a, you know, it doesn't just get figured out and then it's like, I'm good to go for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it becomes complex, but having simple mindsets like that on, you know, just open the window or just step outside or, you know, take that next small step. Yeah. I think helps people get moving. And when you get moving, you get momentum. And when you get momentum, you start moving faster. So it's like, it's just, it's fascinating. And what comes to mind there is, and, and this episode, you know, the self care advantage, I think it's a huge advantage in today's world because there's so much noise, so much distraction, like you mentioned with our phones and, you know, I think a lot of people have a 
misconception around self-care. I saw it as an athlete, like the people that did the self-care practices excelled on the field. Um, mm -hmm. how, what do you think of when you hear self-care? Um, because some people are like, you know, you have to just serve others and then, you know, you'll get back what, you know, what kind of comes from that positive of serving others. And some people do that and then they deprecate themselves which you know, mm -hmm. kills them at the end of the day. Um, but they were able yeah. to serve a couple of people in a good way. You know, how do you do that self-care, but still kind of serve others in a way that, you know, you, kind of maximizes your unique skills and, and abilities? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question that I think has quite a bit of nuances to it as well, because it really does again, rely on going back to that self-awareness, cultivating that self-awareness. And, and we cultivate that self-awareness through starting with taking those moments to just pause and connect with yourself, right? In whatever way, shape, or form that looks like. And, and that could look different for, for each of us. It could be sitting down and meditating for a moment. It could be doing a gratitude practice or making a gratitude list. It could be, as you shared, which is also one of my favorite practices of walking barefoot outside on the grass, right? Um, but taking some moments, and, and again, when I'm working with clients one-on-one -on -one, I can, or in the group setting, I can guide you through finding what's the best practice for you in the current season of, of your life to do that. But cultivating that self-awareness and continually tapping into it. And like you said, it's not a one and done sort of thing. Like, okay, I mastered self-care, right? I mean, before we started this, when when we you and I were just chatting before we started um recording it and the live conversation, you know, I I was sharing as well that the past few weeks I've been having a really hard time as well. And I've had to really dive in and and continually on a day daily, not even daily, but like minute by minute sometimes, like check the pulse of my own mind, emotions, body, my own self-care. What do I need in this moment? And so it is a continual curiosity, self-reflection, and self-awareness to tap into that. And I think also knowing that Knowing that I think a lot of times when we're going through a stressful situation or, or a major transition in life, many of the clients that I work with often feel like they need to continue to uphold and work at the same level in whatever it is, whether it's their responsibilities at home or at work, at the same level that they would had they if they were not going through this situation. And so I think, again, acknowledging that this may look different day to day. This may look different depending on what else is going in your on in your life. And that you may need to adjust your expectations for yourself. So often we think that the external world is putting all these expectations on ourselves on us. More often than not, we're putting more expectations on ourselves than anyone else is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so kind of recognizing that maybe during different seasons of your life, it's okay to practice some of that self-compassion and to um, and to give yourself permission to take a rest, to take a pause, to take a break, to really tap into what you need. And, you know, I think one of the biggest 
challenges and obstacles that many people have to practicing self-care is is the mindset of prioritize that prior by prioritizing themselves they may feel like well that feels selfish or i feel guilty taking time for myself or there's so much to do who else is going to do it right but the biggest mindset shift that i see happen is when people realize that by taking care of themselves it's allowing them show up as their best self for their family, for their friends, for their colleagues at work. And that's where the biggest shift happens um, in terms of being able to then prioritize that. And so when you realize that, like the example that you said of, of serving others, that if there are basic things that you need in your life, whether that's rest, taking a nap, meditating, that that will help you show up as your best self so that you can serve. I always say this, serve, love, lead, live, right? In the best way possible. Then that's where that shift begins to occur. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, <clears throat> I'm a huge believer in that because if we're not doing that hard work, oftentimes we burn out and I've been there multiple times, mm -hmm. you know, even if it's, it was working out for baseball and I wasn't, you know, I was just, throwing a baseball all day and not stretching or not drinking water enough like that stuff all contributes to the end outcome or end service that you're looking to provide mm -hmm. um, and that's going to be diluted or reduced if you don't have those important practices to you know nourish your car right like you said you have to have that vehicle yeah. and if you're not putting gas in the car or making sure it has maintenance like that car is only going to get you so far you can't just have the gas pedal going at all, you know, yeah. forever. And then it's going to, you know, it's going to run out of gas and, and stop. So I think that's so absolutely. Yeah. That made me think of a couple of examples too. So I've always been um, a runner as well. So before I even started practicing yoga, I was a runner. And, and so, you know, like those rest days are built in when you're training for a race, like you need to have those rest days. Right. And then thinking of yoga, I mean, we have Shavasana at the end, we have, you know, in the middle of class where you hold a pose and you take some time to rest. And so it's just like those periods of activity and exertion, <laughs> right, are important. And those periods of rest are really important as well. And one thing that I love as an example for that is also just uh, thinking about our breath. You know, we inhale and we exhale, right? I feel like there's so many lessons in the breath, right? The breath teaches us it's, it's constantly coming in and out giving and receiving, expanding and contracting, right? Mm -hmm. So I think about that sometimes in my own life too. If, if I notice myself kind of push, push, pushing, right? Because again, this is a journey. I, I, I still fall, you know, fall into that too. And, and sometimes I'll realize like, wait a second, I need to kind of draw inward for a little bit, rejuvenate, right? So there's that expansion and contraction and we need both. And I feel like the biggest teacher of that that is accessible to every single one of us, every single moment of our life is our breath as a reminder of that. Yeah, I love that. And those types of analogies, I think really help people translate how to bring it into their life. And mm -hmm. I've found a lot of those benefits through yoga as well. Um, mm -hmm. And just trying to relate what I'm going through with how 
you know, yoga helps you kind of think through hard times, you know, you're holding a pose, you're mm -hmm. like, I don't want to be here. You know? yeah. And I need, I need to just go through a little bit of pain and it doesn't last forever. And I think they, they say that mm -hmm. a lot during the practice. Um, but then yeah. you get to a point where you don't give up and then you have that Shavasana mm -hmm. at the end where you're able to kind of reflect on if I gave up, I wouldn't have this feeling of accomplishment. And I think that makes you push through those hard obstacles that you go through where you really want to give up. Like you're just you're like, you know, I, I really want to give up on the business. I want to go do something that's easier or I want to give mm -hmm. give up on this workout. I, you know, I just want to go, you know, eat at fast food and, you know, eat until I can't eat anymore. Like that's what's going to make me feel good in the temporary. But then it's yeah. not long term. So I think that's that's so important from a self-care standpoint is having those rituals that bring you back to what's important and what kind of grounds you at the end of the day. So I think that's, that's a critical practice. Everyone you know can take away is just that simple breathing. You know, the, in, the inhale exhale is, is relatable to doing the hard internal work with an inhale and then breathing it out to, mm -hmm. you know, bring that best self and serve others. So I think that's critically important. Um, we could, we could talk about this all day because this is critical to mm -hmm. the DNA of our, of this show. And, and, you know, I started it when I was going through a tough time with my mindset and I've learned so much and so thankful that, that we're connected and that, you know, just want to acknowledge you for doing this, you know, such important work that so many people need that, you know, you can go on YouTube and see different things about people talking about it, but bringing it all together, and being able to do it, you know, and, you know, online and in person, I think is so powerful. And um, you bring so much to that equation. So I think it's just, it's just fascinating what you're doing. And I'm looking forward to continuing to connect with it, going through some of the workbooks and, and chatting about how we can work together to, to bring this, you know, on a massive scale to our community and beyond, uh, whether that's master classes or, you know, putting on another show like this, where we dive deeper into kind of your three phases and um, taking it from there. But um, one of the one of the things that we kind of wrap the show up with is, you know, we've talked a lot about being connected and having that mind body connection, um, being connected to your business, how connected our world is today. Mm -hmm. in, in the current state that you're in today, you know, what is being connected or connection um, mean to you as you navigate you know, the challenges that you're going through? Yeah, great question. I know we did talk about it on so many different levels today, just even through the course of this this episode and our conversation today of, of, of different levels of connection. Um, but what I think of ultimately with that question is the connection that you that we each have to ourself um, and cultivating that connection because you know I always say a radiant life starts from within. And also that the most important relationship is the relationship with yourself. And I mean like your inner self. And because that really is the foundation for everything else in your life. That's the foundation for how you show up in all aspects in your life, for your career, for your relationships, whatever it may be. So when I think of connection and maintaining and cultivating that connection through whatever challenge you're facing, it is taking that time, space, intention to connect deeply with yourself. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, it's it's extremely empowering and extremely impactful. I know a lot of people are going to get benefit from this episode. Um, this will not be the last time that you see Chital on the show. And um, definitely check out her podcast as well, Essential Self-Care. 
Um, you have a bunch of episodes. How many episodes are you up to now? Uh, 33, 33 episodes. Yeah. Yesterday was the one year anniversary mm -hmm. of the podcast. So really excited about that yeah. and going to keep it going. And I'm excited to have you on as a guest as well, Greg. So excellent. Yeah. Chital, thank you so much for your time. Looking forward to continuing the discussion and uh, have a great Friday ahead. Great. Thank you. You too. Thanks for having me.